Good day, mates. Thank you for listening to Digital Digital. Get down, get down. We're recording here in sunny Melbourne. Oh no. Well, no. the complete opposite. Complete opposite, and they're yeah. on a lockdown again. So it's true. Um, I envy their weather right now. I don't envy. Um, well, honestly, we're pretty much on lockdown anyway. We're on like the Minnesota winter lockdown. The vaccine weight. The system. Yeah. The it's negative whatever outside and it has been for like two weeks and i'm going stir crazy negative 20 fahrenheit Mm -hmm. outside um the temperature has just lost all meaning to me because we've been in the negatives for like two weeks yeah anything below 30 is just i would say like below like 15 maybe below i don't know once you get below that, it just it's just cold. Well, like with here. child though, you can't bring a child out. Not with child, <laughs> with a child. Um, it's just like your eye ba- your eyeballs freeze weather hey, outside. You wanted to go out today with no socks, and I had to step in and be. I was gonna have fuzzy boots on. Yeah. I wasn't gonna like go to go barefoot. This is our Valentine's Day episode. Did we pick Payo. lovey-dovey stuff? Uh. No, one no. has a divorce, and the other one. I think it leads to a divorce as well. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, well, okay. This is our divorce themed state <laughs> podcast. Our marriage is fine, for the record. This is mm. not a sign. I recommend um, all couples out there start a podcast, even if no one's listening. It is fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Um, it's a good way to spice it up. I mean, we're certainly not doing it for the money or in the for bedroom the fame. and the living room. We don't really involve the podcast <laughs> in our bedroom, as far as I know. But maybe, maybe you do. I don't know. Um, yeah, we certainly aren't in it for the money or the fame, so mm. we're in it for but the But we appreciate good all times. of our listeners, our dedicated listeners out there. Our most dedicated listener sent me like a eight-paragraph email today with all her thoughts as she caught up along the podcast, yeah. so shout out to Cousin Jen. Woohoo! I feel like I'm on like one of those late-night radio shows where it's like, it's Delilah coming at you, <laughs> reading your request tonight for lo- all the lovers out there. <laughs> when you said it was our Valentine's it's Day true. podcast, that's what I felt like. Um, is Delilah still on the air? I'm worried about her. I think so. I is she some... even a real person or is she just like a robot at this point? Don't get me started on is it like a Siri? radio things. It's probably all like, oh God, War of the Roses. It's like the only time I've ever posted on a, a Facebook page <laughs> was because like Mix 98.5 at that to point. To get on War of the Roses? No, to tell people it was bullshit. Oh, even like as a 13 year old, you like... No. Because they were pitching. I was in. I was. I had graduated college when I did this. I was picturing um, you as an angry middle schooler. No, because no, they were they were marketing. They're saying, "Oh, tune in tomorrow at seven a.m. New War of the Roses, where such and such finds out I'll their lover." I just but this is completely fake. You realize that all these are like F-list actors that they hire to do these telephone calls. And then you move to a different place in, in America, and shockingly, they have the same exact gimmick with similar-sounding people. It's amazing. It's called something different. Yeah. Would you like to continue your radio rant, or this is not how we meant to start? No, I need to Deep catch breathing. my breath. Yeah. Mindfulness. <laughs> um, we, our loyal fan I was just talking about, was mm-hmm. floating some ideas for our 100th episode. We're getting so, close. This is number 96. So this, this is episode 96. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, it might even be technically closer to 100 because I think we had some like yeah uh, Christmas specials and yeah, interludes that we didn't count. But this was like our 96th full-on episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're mulling over some ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly an Instagram live is is the, you're threatening to do that. The one I've 
the one that I think would be the easiest. Uh-huh. Um, we could also probably just do like a Google Meet. That would be very depressing after a week of Teams calls and Google Meet calls. True. I think Instagram Live might work the best. That would make me feel cool. I've never done a live, so... Let's do a TikTok after that. I don't know how to do a TikTok. <laughs> 21. Um, awa, awa. It's the one the kids keep asking me to do, and it's about a dog, and they keep asking See, like, so we talked about I meme just... culture last time, right? Yeah. Like, when I talk about meme culture, I'm specifically talking about still images with, uh, you know, fonted text over it. See, like when I was little, like you like, like you would hear a commercial and you'd say dumb shit to your friends all the time. So I get that part of like the TikTok thing. But see, like the, like I can avoid the pictures in my yeah. professional life. Yeah. All day. I have certain kids that just repeat TikTok things over yeah. and over. This one girl all day last week, she had a towel. I mean, a, a blanket up over her head and just went, I'm a burrito. I'm a burrito. I'm a burrito. Huh. The whole class. <laughs> And then finally she said, did you hear me, Miss Gavrish? I'm a burrito. And I was like, I've been ignoring you because you're supposed to be doing your work and it's really annoying. Oh, wow. So just all the time. And I That was a great anecdote. Are you making fun of me? No. <laughs> so uh, one of the other teachers like really leans into the memes and she has the kids oh, like Lord. search up the memes and like has a meme for each class and whatever. I'm just kind of neutral to like visual memes. But, like, I just don't really get TikTok or Vine or any of those. So when the kids just, like, have little ticks that they say over and over, I'm just like, I don't get it. And it's all so irritating. <laughs> I don't know. I'm too old. Apparently. Okay. Are you too fired up now or can we continue? We can continue. Okay. You're the one who's fired up about radio. Oh, God. You really sound like an old person when you're fired up about <laughs> 90s radio. <laughs> hey, Maddie in the Morning... With Billy got got me through a lot of commutes in the greater Boston area. Like a lot of people through a lot of things. Man, um, yeah. Shout out to Maddie and the rest of them. Mostly just Maddie, actually. <laughs> not Lisa, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. And not like the interns that they always shouted at. And no, they like, all Billy got fired. Billy is like fine. He's only there as a foil to Maddie. No Billy is like Billy. a fascinating character in in Boston lore. Because, like, he's on all, like, those TV shows, those dining TV shows, and you yes. kind of think of him as, like, a well-put-together human being. And then when, like, Maddie spills his dirt and all the creepy things he does to, and how his marriage fell apart, it's, like, it was very bizarre. It's kind of, like, behind the music. Yeah. I like, so. behind the local ce- celebrity. Mm-hmm. Not quite as catchy. Right. Um, are we going to go into nooses? Do you have any nooses? Good news and bad news and good news and bad news and bad has a few things jotted down. One of my bad news is, is that documentary we watched today? Normally I put really one on and you just groan avocados. and you try to find something else to do. But yeah, occasionally I've been watching, uh, I think it's called Rotten, which is like, they're basically all the same. They're like, here's a food product that you eat every day. It was honey. Today was avocado. Here's all the ways you're killing the earth. Right. Like, or killing other people or both. Yeah. So, uh, they're pretty much like following a script at this point. Like, it's a trope almost. But. But it's like, have you ever eaten an avocado? Yeah. People in Chile don't have any water and people in Mexico are shooting each other and it's <laughs> because your fault. Because of you, yes. The, all of the extortion and kidnapping is your fault. Correct. Uh, so, yeah, that was great. It was oh, like, the chicken one was the other one that emotionally yes. scarred you, right? The lighting, the, the, it's all just old men farm, old man farmers crying. <laughs> crying. It's the whole that TV series. That should be series. the name of the show, correct? 
old farmers crying. Old farmers crying, yeah. Um, because it's all. And I went up. into the show thinking, like, who would really want to be a farmer? Because I know you, you, you're like buying into a life of poverty. And like working yourself to the bone, like three six. And now these people who week, in this whatever. avocado one who like have committed no crime, they like all they're doing is doing the job that their country requires them because it's their primary export. That poor guy. And they're got being kidnapped. kidnapped. And then later on, his brother and dad got kidnapped. So they're kidnapped because they it's are the awesome. most valuable people in the in the chain. They're the connection to the money. And if if they killed him, then they would just take his farm, I guess. They just wanted to pay the money. They just knew somebody would pony up for the money. Yeah. Man, the world is a messed up. Yeah, I was just watching it and it was like between capitalism, militarism, and nationalism. You're like, wow, humans. Yeah, it reinforced my belief that it's like. Civilization was a bad idea. Too, yeah, that and it's probably too late. Um, well, it's too late to fix it for sure because like NAFTA in the in the documentary, nobody gives a shit about NAFTA. I've never willingly said NAFTA in my life before. Some people care. But. Yeah. Uh, the people on this podcast and the people that care mm. about NAFTA are probably those are two separate Venn circles. diagram mm. um, but like that was like an example of them like trying to make it better and it actually made everything worse right so like I feel like you can't regulate your way out of the no. evils of capitalism no anything you try to do will backfire yeah and it just reminds me of like the one part that stuck with me of the good place which is like any like the ripple effect of of the way our society is right now yeah. like you buy one avocado thinking that your baby likes avocados and it's a healthy food for him to eat mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden we've committed to we've like committed kidnapping in mexico <laughs> yeah so it's like the points you get you get like right like one point for buying an organic avocado and yeah. like minus a thousand for the fact that the avocado is industry is like ruining yeah the no, Chilean I've, gone down ecosystem. That. I've gone down that path with some vegan debates because it's like well yes you eat vegan and you have vegan supplements but have you ever bought a pair of pants that you know used a piece of animal fur or something or like soybeans take up a lot of water to make yeah exactly right almond milk wastes more water than anything than regular milk um so what it comes down to is like the best vegan is a dead vegan is i think how i ended the conversation where it's like you're never going to be able to meet that Gosh, what a depressing way to start this lovey-dovey episode. All about love coming at you, Delilah. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I think this needs to be cut from your new, your new podcast persona. Um, do you have more bad news? I do, but I feel like I'm just like not really going to help with... I have some bad news, too. Alright. Mine, um... Well, I'll do good and bad news at the same time. So it's Australian... Mine are pretty bad. So Australian just, open okay. season... Sure. Tennis. When you say open season, it sounds like it's open, open season, season to shoot Australians. Oh my god. Open season on Australians. Yeah. Don't do So that. a little delayed, a little controversial with how they got players there and what quarantine methods they used. And um, failed. I'm watching it a little bit at night. I've So far I've only watched one match from start to finish, which was Curios versus Team. A popcorn match, as they say. Grab your snacks and tune in. I, if they had, if they said popcorn match one more. Oh, do they say? Time, yeah, no, the announcer. The box office and the popcorn. Oh my gosh! And the show and that they just like so. so like the ESPN funny. announcers are normally bad, but none of them were let into the country, so they they're like piping in like the Australian announcers. And normally, I'm a I'm a big fan of that. But God, when there's when someone has three and a half hours to talk about Nick Kyrgios, that's like that's bad for humankind. Yeah. 
And I'm not saying it because Nick Kyrgios is 100% bad. In the last year, he's proven himself to be a lot more reasonable and uh, forward-thinking than a lot of other tennis players. But, oh, God, yeah, it was too much. And I just, I find it hilarious because, like, you watch the first couple sets and they're like, this is it, he's on his way to win his first major, he's finally settled down. It's like, he's done this every single year. Yeah. And then something happens in set number four and he loses it. And it, like, literally happened at the same exact time. Yeah. I, I literally paused it for you because you went upstairs with the baby. And yeah. I was like, oh, it's happening. I missed the meltdown? Oh, and okay. I, I paused it for you <laughs> and we rewound it. Um, yeah. I found it strange watching it this time because um, I'm one of many white people who have ramped up my, like, anti-racism work and awareness this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been paying more attention to race dynamics, I guess. And... um. Curious is a hot mess. However, I also was like more clued into the language they use this year. Yeah. And about how they talk most about how he's entertaining or he's emotional. And they they talked about Dominique Team, who's like white whitest of white boys, yeah. as being like professional and calm cerebral and like and yeah, an intelligent player yeah. and all of this, where they talk about Curious being a physical player or being too emotional or being right. um uh, I'm trying to think of the other. Yeah, words no, I know what you mean. But yeah, you, I, using, I normally but... think of that all as being antiquated, like when football and baseball announcers used to talk about players of color, you know, being raw athletes or their raw athletic talent that needs to be like harnessed or something. But yeah, it still it still happens. So yeah, I mean, Nick Kyrgios is undoubtedly a very unstable player, right? Um, but also you have to wonder how much of like the expectations of people have affected him. Oh, sure. And how, how much, just how, I don't know, just how damaging that, that very subconscious narrative is that unless you're really looking for it, you'd be like, wow, yeah, Dominic team really does look very composed. And yeah. wow, um, Kyrgios really is melting down. He's too emotional. But if you like take a step back, like the, the the white gaze that people use when right. watching them. And just the fact uh, that it's a, it's a broadcast year. thing. So everybody hears it. And I think it does sink in subliminally that's the way i've been working my way through me and white supremacy and doing the journal prompts with a few um online friends and that's one of the things that talks about a lot is like being neutral is not enough because there's so much like subconscious racism Mm -hmm. from and subconscious like stereotyping that happens in any media that you consume um because it's dominated by white people across most fields that like even if you think that everyone should be treated equally and you've never said anything racist or done anything racist you still have these like stereotypes that are like sometimes really subtly like ingrained into you so that you might end up thinking that white tennis players are more professional and more composed than black tennis players and it's not because of any conscious belief that you or prejudice that you have but it's it's the way that the narrative is presented to you by so-called experts or by the people that are like broadcasting these games so yeah Anyways. Whew, I have a few. Actually, all of mine are good news, bad news. So I'm going to keep going. If that's okay. Was the second half of your bad news that they're oh. in lockdown because they fucked up? Right. Well, yeah. I don't know who, who screwed up, but regardless. I just mean they screwed up by having fans at all. Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit confused because for a while, Australia was having like full stadiums, I think, in Queensland. And very proud of that, as they should be, that they were able to get their numbers uh, under control so much. And so... 
all the stadiums in Melbourne were like a quarter filled, it looked like. And then, yeah, they announced a five-day lockdown kind of in the middle of the tournament. So hopefully, I guess they'll have fans for the big matches at the end if all goes well. that's why they picked five days. Yeah, I'm sure the government was taking into account their most important sports event. Yeah, and but they're also doing some really intense like contact tracing and testing and stuff too. Like yeah. anyone that went through the certain areas that How had many other countries could like borrow <sighs> those tactics. Um good news, bad news, library books. You thought I would forget, but I jotted it down. What we did had I do? we had you said that our our marriage was in great shape. Uh, yeah, I know. It's I made because a I was the bigger man and I it's got over something. Week two that I've the second time Although, I made a in hindsight, in one week. with how little I'm enjoying the book, you kind of did me a favor. So maybe, maybe you should to have fill you in. I won't. I won't harp on this too long. But my wife was kind enough to let me use her. She let she lets me use her iPad and her library account to borrow eBooks. You also have a library card, right? I'm saying like just for just for ease of use. You you said just borrow books on my account and read it on my iPad. Sure very kind of you you also have quite a deep hold list which is nothing compared to your book digits to read list but as a child i was that kid who would have like bring up like a stack of this tall this is an audio only to podcast yeah. a very tall stack of books and then the librarian would be like you can Yay, only, you can only take eight and i'd have to like oh, narrow it down and i would take eight i would have not dated um, you as a child i i hope not <laughs> um so for me, like the, abil- the the fact that I can like click and search for a book and then just have it. That's dangerous. I just can't control myself. Right. So in this case, because this book I think is on both of our to read lists, you thought you had already borrowed it, never got to it, so you could return it. Correct. Anyways. I have too many holds and, and I did find out that we have a limit on our app, which That's is the other half bucks. is the good news is that our library is switching over to the overdrive libby system and it seems like i'll be able to go back to reading on my kindle e-ink device instead of a i have ipad bright screen about a very year, excited about i've spent about a year like killing my eyesight yeah. reading a lot of books on the app on my phone yeah which on one hand has been convenient especially when the baby was younger and i was like nursing him a lot or i need to convince you to him. not use your phone in bed though and bring your kindle to bed maybe I yeah, I need mm-hmm. to do better about that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm excited if I can use it on my Kindle as well, but that will not help me. Um, oh gosh. With no, the amount no, of books that there's I there's nothing. So that. how I ended up accidentally returning yours was that I was reaching my maximum, and I was like, I'm definitely not going to read all these A books before they're due. Four hundred page book. So there's no way I'm going to get into this one right now. So I returned it, and then not realizing that you had actually taken it out. We have so few books in common on our to read list it's that. True. I usually assume if it's a book I've never heard of, it's the one that you are reading. That makes sense. And if you recognize it, it's yours. And if it's that, yeah. Fascinating. (laughs) Other good news, bad news, uh, Pluto TV, which I think we mentioned before, has an amazing race channel. Didn't we talk about this last time? I don't know. I thought we did. I don't think so. Are you sure? Well, I was just going to say, we talked about Survivor, I think. Okay. But I had never seen an amazing race we talked about it last time for sure survivor and amazing race channel was in my notes from last time i don't think we had watched any of it by that point okay keep talking either way there's not much to say just that i found that i cannot cannot go to sleep if i've watched an episode of the amazing race in the last 
three hours before bed. Neither of us can. It's like it worms into your brain and like fucks your brain up. Like 2000s reality TV is like literally brain damaging. Did we already do this? We already did it. About, uh, sure. Yes. When did the last podcast come out? 23rd? Yeah, probably. (laughs) We're so used to not only podcasting like once every two months that it's hard to. Just the travel anxiety. You would think that that would be like a fun Schadenfraud kind of thing at the no, moment, because especially because we were watching the early seasons where like they hadn't figured out the whole travel system for their contestants, mm. and so there was a lot of like waiting in line in airports, asking about flights, trying to catch flights, and I was just like, and also like no, this a lot is of my nightmare, a lot of teams that hadn't quite figured out how to be nasty yet. So when one team did something like slightly rude, yeah. they all like lost their minds. <laughs> it's like if you ever traveled, everyone is rude. Anyways, um, I would just be so terrible at that show because, like, the thing I love most about traveling is landing in the plane and being like, oh, I'm here. And knowing you have to rush off there and start traveling again would make me sick. I would just not do well in that having food breaks or bathroom oh, breaks. Oh, God, you would be so sleep. annoying. Like, we they would sleep definitely on the get, floor everywhere. We would definitely get divorced. I never once considered having us go on Amazing Rice. It would not be our strong suit. It would not play to and our last one, there's no good say. news to say. Only bad news. I was flipping through and stole my, my parents' Food Network uh, cable mm. channel. And new episodes of Supermarket Steakout, which I think we've mentioned before on this mm-hmm. show, were airing. And you knew they were new because the contestants had face masks on. Is there a worse show to produce in the COVID era? Leave these grocery shoppers alone. Then going to a grocery store where people have to go and, acc- and accosting these people as they come out the door. They're already risking their lives. I turned it off before I could see how the interactions happened. I'm mm-hmm. sure they did it behind plexiglass or something absurd, or but from a distance. let that show go. Yeah, no. it yeah, it didn't work when they were trying to film it at home with no contestants. It's not going to work now yeah. either. I'm gonna skip Oof. the rest of my bad news is because too depressing. Um, well, I feel like we're going on a lot about negative things so far, so I'll save them. Okay. Um, I'll talk about some of my good news. Is so okay. Um, the electric cars thing, the GE Motors mm-hmm. thing. They make 20- a new promise. Yeah, I knew you were going to start with that. Who's going to hold them to these promises? This is bad news. Okay. <laughs> I guess I won't finish that one. Um, one of my other good news is that... I promised you the next car we get will be electric, though. There's Twice. no way it would start. Twice so far. There's no way it would start in this weather. We're not going anywhere anyway. Hmm. Um, Naomi Osaka. She just won. She just beat uh, Muguruza. Muguruza. Can I talk? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, she is buying into um, a U.S. women's soccer team. Okay. North Carolina Courage. There's a league right now? The women's soccer leagues, like, start and fold within, like, a year. What? So there must be a new one. I'm saying, like, there there used to be a, a WMLS or something, and it folded. Is that the totally whole league. F- are you sure? A couple different times, but I'm sure there's a new There's been one recently, because the Portland... Um, like Megan Rapinoe's team, the Portland something yeah, she must has have been, been playing for someone. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's like apparently part of a new trend where like successful female athletes like invest into it's pretty cool female sports. Yep. Um, so I thought that was cool. Um, my other news is: Are you ready to get angry again? Okay. Um, a ten-year-old used his Kwanzaa money to invest in GameStop, and he made three thousand dollars. That's great. I'm. Uh, those stories are fine. Also, one of the uh, min- a local person donated all of his profits to the Minnesota Children's Hospital. Hospital. Yeah, 
No, I, I admit that my GameStop fury is purely... Oh, well, no, it's half FOMO and it's half stock market frustration in general. Just the fact that the stock market is, is not real. Right. I, I supported the, the idea of let's screw the hedge funds and let's prove how you can manipulate the market even if you're not one of those big funds. But then I'm also glad the stock then tanked because it proved that that type of, you know, no type of manipulation should be successful. You should be investing in a company because you want to invest in the company and the company needs that investment, not because it's it's a gambling, it's a casino for, it's a legal casino is all it is. But it's a legal casino that only rich people could ever do anything about. So I support mm. random ass people fucking it up just because they can. Sure, but how many people bought it at 300 and now lost money because everyone said it's going to keep going up and up and up? So, still got to be careful. I'm not saying that people should have bought in. I'm just saying that, like, good for them for proving that the system is fake. Fair enough. I still don't understand this. Come to Heather's TED Talk about stock market. That that would be my whole TED Talk. (laughs) Stock market's not real and capitalism is bad would be my entire TED Talk. I don't (laughs) understand it. That's a meme, right? Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah. That's it. They're just inside jokes across the whole internet. That's all it is. Yeah. Okay. People just need to feel like they belong to part of something. I get it. I get it. I mean, how much of that was like our middle school, except it was just like AAM. Yep. So. All right. So we want to do a quick... Quick commercial break? Commercial break? Sure. Ad break? Uh, So if you need a place to track your to-read books with or without your significant other, we recommend... Bookdigits.com. You can compare your ratings to your significant other's yep. account or to other people. That's true. You can keep track of your to-read list. You can even check if a book that you see on there is at your local library it's with true. the Chrome Library we have Extension. Partnered with the library extension. And as the lead developer of said application, I'm working on new code, or I should say, rewriting existing code. So maybe someday in the future we'll have a new look, new features. Who knows? Maybe even mobile apps will do someday. Lots to look forward to. Someday, do you think my child, my son, will inherit book digits? Sure. That's a big thing to put on him. Is it, though? Not really, no. Who knows if the internet will even be real? I think at some time they're going to, like, launch, like, a second internet. Just start over. Okay, Silicon Valley. Yeah. All right, so do you want to start with book or TV show? Um, I'm going to let you pick. I think I'll have more talk about the TV show, but you've read the book more recently. I was going to say TV show, but usually you go for the opposite of what I want. So I was going to say TV show because okay. we're in sync because we're in love. Okay. Because this is an in sync tribute podcast. Okay. Okay, so the show we're watching... No, we're talking about it. We already <laughs> watched it. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, which I resisted partially because of its platform this is a show that a few different people had recommended to me um personally and just like the vague internet recommendations right. from people um but it was on apple plus tv etc what some name like that yeah i don't know which i was like pretty committed to like never watching it um just because i never understood like why apple had to like launch a whole separate um 
part of its company Especially to branch they into this. have an Apple TV. It's very confusing. Yeah. Apple Plus on Apple TV. And they talked about like their first shows like four. It took them like three years to get a show actually out. And like the first one was just like carpool karaoke, but a show. Right. Like they weren't. I don't know. I heard good things about the show, but I didn't really like understand the platform enough. Slash, I'm so sick of how like you need every single streaming channel now. I was gonna say honestly, if it wasn't like, for yeah, if it wasn't for Roku, I don't think I I would have ever watched it, but. Yeah. Because Roku is, like, such a perfect middleman because, like, nobody doesn't like Roku. Whereas, like, Apple hates uh, Google and everyone hates Amazon and Netflix is, like, the top contender. So everybody hates them. Um, Roku plays nice with everything. So that's fine. Um, But, yeah, I also resisted Ted Lasso a little bit because I heard, like, the basic premise. And it seemed so far-fetched that I was, like, I don't believe this could ever be compelling. Yeah. Um. I ended up really liking it because it has, like, a really Parks and Recce vibe to me. Right. And that's what I picked. Like, even after the pilot, I still wasn't sold. And then after episodes two and three, you're like, oh, this is not, you know, a show about soccer, certainly. It's not really a sports show at all. It's a workplace comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's Parks and Rec, but slightly more british and more sportsy yeah it's if you combine like um remember the titans with parks yeah. and rec i think that's pretty much two the of equation. my favorite things yeah um do you want to tell a lot of people haven't heard of this show still sure. so do you want to do like a uh, synopsis yes i can do that um so ted lasso is a division two college football coach and pretty successful and it basically opens with him getting offered a job to coach in the English Premier League, which is a different sport, um, football versus football. And thankfully, like, I was a little nervous that, like, the gimmick was just going to be like, oh, someone heard he was, like, a championship football coach and said, let's hire football him over here. Football right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's, that's not the case. But what's happened is that the team, AFC Richmond, which is um, not a real team, apparently. Did not know that. We had to... Ask yeah, the one football. Well, yeah, because what Crystal Fairy? What's the other one called? Crystal Palace is an actual yeah, team, which yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, they are kind of a bottom of the barrel uh, English soccer team, and uh, it's now owned by a woman, uh, the wife of the previous owner. Um. So that's Rebecca and. She, we'll get into this more about her motivation, but she wants the team to do bad. It's basically a producer's uh, trope yeah. where she wants them to do bad, so she tries to, to set like, it up for failure. Get at, get yeah. back at her husband, at right. her ex-husband. And like, I appreciate that that reveal is revealed pretty early on because yes. it does combat that issue of like, are they really just pretending they thought he was going to be good at football? Like immediately she's yeah. like, I want this team to fail. So I picked the dumbest person right. I could That find. saved it for me because I was like... If they really thought this was going to work, like, you're not, you're never going to convince me of that. Yeah. Um, I still, if we can just talk about our motivation for a minute. So, first of all, why in the divorce, if the team was the most important thing to the husband, why, how did she end up with the team? It was in the prenup because he makes, they allude that it was in the prenup because, um, he make he says some comment about his new girlfriend, like, I won't make that mistake again or something. Yeah. So... They must have had something in the prenup about she gets... Kind of like an insurance clause that, like, if you leave me, you're going to lose your favorite thing. Yeah. Hmm. So, okay. uh, especially because she seems like 
she was or is kind of a badass. Yeah. So it, it sounds like that was like written into the prenup. Sure, fair enough. That either she got 50% of this or yeah. whatever. So, and maybe she only got 50%, but in order to like keep the house, he had to, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We don't know all the backstory sure. details, but he made, there was a comment about not making that mistake again in terms of a prenup. So okay, it sounds so like it enough. was a divorce thing. Yeah. I still, and so I, I guess. a divorce in this show for a Valentine's Day Yeah, episode. that's what yeah. we promised. Um, so, so right. Her motivation is that because the husband still really loves it, loves the that, team. And like, he loved the team more than her, she says. No, I, like, right. I get that part. But, like, why would lose, is, is the team losing when they're already kind of losers going to really ruffle his feathers that much? We're talking here about Rupert, a.k.a. Uh, also, Giles. It, oh, so weird to see. I know he was, someone reminded me that he was evil in Merlin as well. I never watched a yeah. ton of Merlin. But yes, strange. The so thing I the know first him, day we got to Australia, I was like, British television, whoa, Merlin. Yeah, and I was like, people always talk about Merlin. I'm going to watch this. And then I yeah. got bored immediately. Yeah. Um, I think the the thing is that like it was his favorite football club like you know in australia like in australia with footy it was like this weird family thing where like your dad's brother was like a reserve player for this football league so you have tickets right so it seemed like it was like a that was like his club because like there was that scene when he was watching it at home yeah yeah so i think he's like not only was it his old team it was he's like genuinely a fan of right the so when i if when i was a red sox fanatic yeah if i found out like the owner was i was thinking purposely... more like the patriots because bob Kraft is yeah shady and so is bill belichick and so is tom brady so yeah like if 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 bob Kraft's wife got Rest the patriots peace. yeah myra yeah um or if um who's that other guy in the patriots Jonathan Kraft? No. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. Th- imagine more well, right, like... No, if his current girlfriend... If Kraft's current girlfriend got so pissed off about the the Florida masseuse place... That she, like... She got control of the team. Blackmailed him and got right. control of the team. And if I was a super fan... And if you were Bob Kraft's family... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, that's what I'm saying, is I think you have to imagine it in that kind of way. Sure. Where it's not just about, like, running his business into the ground, but it's about, like, taking something he loves and making a mockery of it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah. That's basically the setup. And then it becomes a question of what is Ted Lasso, uh, played by Jason Sudeikis, really well. We'll talk played, about that. Yeah. I have a lot of comments about that. Um, we can talk about it right now. Sure. I just was going to say that, like, shows don't always work Shows are very hit or I'm hit. With you. Yep. Shows are really hit or miss when like eighty five percent of the show depends on one character's charm. Like, oh, okay. like I, this is a different angle than I think you were going. Yeah. Um, like Elf, for example, we always yes. watch the outtakes and it talks about like, the 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 other people that could have had the role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're watching, you're thinking like, oh my god, if that was Jim Carrey, this would not have worked. Or if right. it was Al Pacino, or who was like some of the weird options they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the the film works because Will Ferrell is just like gives it a hundred and ten percent, like buys into it, yeah. and it like the charm just carries the whole movie. Correct. Um, that's how I felt about this show. Was yeah. I was just like, you don't see Jason Sudeikis, you right, see that's, Ted Lasso. Right, that was going to be my you point, see, it, which is that yeah. so many shows and movies. I still enjoy watching them sometimes, but when they have stars in them, I'm just like, oh. This is, uh, you know, Ryan Gosling in this movie. Another movie where you might talk about some... I don't actually know if we're going to talk about this. I don't know how we can talk about it respectfully, but Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson just fucking ruined that movie for yeah. me. Because she was just 
Scarlett Johansson with a smirk. Yeah. Like she didn't really, I I couldn't see her as like the lovable mother. Certainly not German. No. (laughs) So she just stood out and like pulled me out of the movie. Ted Lasso does the opposite. He he pulls you into the TV show because he's such a good actor. And this gave me faith that it can happen uh for a lot of actors because i've seen some movies with jason sudeikis like the uh bad horrible bosses one or whatever i was thinking we just watched him in it's always sunny yeah you're that's like you're you're alone my alone show. <laughs> alone lunch show um, that's the show you don't watch with me because i don't care and i just need a it. background thing yeah um and he was in that and just kind of like as his like douchey self his snl self yeah, yeah. so yeah i guess that just that was that made me happy that like a good actor can disappear into a role even if in other roles he hasn't done it so interesting uh but yeah totally like i don't know if it was the the accent like the, in the in the, the pilot stash. i like right the stash i wasn't convinced of the accent and i was like oh it wasn't the accent in the pilot for me it was just like the mm, eternal optimism thing that right that it takes a it takes a little bit to like to suspend your disbelief yeah. but i think like that is just partially also just like the more they get into his character and his backstory, mm-hmm. you see that it's like an intentional effort and he's not like actually a cartoon yeah. rainbow. From the very first shot of him in the show, I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this show. Because he, it's they show a video of him winning the college football championship and he's doing a dance in the locker room. And it's the same exact dance that I know for a fact Jason Sudeikis does on that one sketch in SNL where Keenan Thompson goes, what's up with that? what's up with that jason stakis would always be in the back doing that same exact dance and i was like oh this is just gonna be like one long snl sketch it was not it was not um it might have been surprised. It sounds like the premise of an snl sketch it does story of football coach gets hired for wrong football right um what was our snl sketch we came up with it's always oh you leading chess club oh yeah no the queen's gambit, queen's gambit. <laughs> except with me as the teacher i lead uh vert like a lunchtime like a lunch and learn kind of literally chess lunch club. she's she's chewing throughout they, I, don't, I don't i don't know what the king is i don't know the difference between the king and the queen i am i hate chess i'm a terrible <laughs> chess coach uh there was one seventh grader who's a very uh like uh, logical minded yeah. and um, he wipes the floor with me in a mean way all the time and I'm always like <laughs> really fragile on Thursdays because I'm so tired oh, towards God, the end of the week. lost on time which is like the most embarrassing thing to do in chess. The first time I lost on time is because I didn't know what that meant that's how bad of a chess club person I am but the other kid said it at two minutes that's insane. That was not fair. That gives you like a second a move that's ridiculous. Yeah so I didn't understand I thought it meant two minutes um Per move. Per move. Yeah, I didn't get crazy. it. This time, I ran out of time because this kid, like, does not understand distractions. Yeah. Like, in the past, he will, like, be, like, uh, he'll be like, oh, I'm beating you. And I'm like, I'm literally tutoring a kid as I'm playing chess. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, like, yeah, t- he, he, he doesn't have a lot of empathy. No, he just doesn't have a lot of empathy. Sure. I mean, no, most middle schoolers don't. But this kid particularly, like, doesn't always, can't always put himself in your shoes. Mm-hmm. So, the fact that I was like trying to feed lunch to a screaming toddler mm-hmm. and that I was also starving and trying to feed myself. Like he was just like, haha, you ran out of time. And I'm like, because yeah. I'm like triple multitasking right now. Yeah. A competitive person like you leading a club that you know nothing about. That's just a bad combination. I still don't know which icon is the king and which one is the <laughs> queen on online chess. So that's, yeah, that actually is a pretty good metaphor for this show because they, 
I mean, you don't have to like soccer for this show, which is much appreciated uh, for a lot of U.S. viewers, I'm sure. I was impressed the way they balanced it, because I think um, Pitch, favorite show of this show... (laughs) Good one to talk about in this conversation. um, There was a couple episodes where you're like, wow, they literally did not even get on a baseball field. They did not have enough money to rent the baseball field. Like some shows have bottle episodes because they they can only have the one set that week. Or the one actor. Or the one actor actor that week. So this show, I was a little afraid it was going to feel like that, where it was going to be like a soccer show and never show soccer. Yeah. But they did a good job of balancing like... um, having enough soccer that it was like believable that it was a they soccer show practice scenes but not they being, lots of locker room scenes but not yeah. being like friday night lights where it's like every episode has to have a game true like they did i thought they did a good job of of not being so formulaic yeah. about the games the only but team the only plot related to the team is whether or not they're going to be relegated like there's no championship run or anything and if you don't know what that means neither does ted lasso the coach of their team right. so don't let that stop you from watching the show yeah, i did enjoy the press conferences where he like he like takes it on all of the yep. the judgment from Trent Krim, the independent and, and others. Um I I like a Leslie Nopesque character when it's done well. Of course. And this is a similar one to when it's done well, where just out of like optimism very wholesome and willpower yeah. and belief in good and human in other human beings. Yeah. He like changes people's lives and that like is really fundamental I think to me as a human being. I don't feel that way a lot of days lately yeah. honestly. Um, and it's part of the reason I'm struggling lately with my job and with the pandemic and with everything else is that I feel like it's making me, this is turning into a fucking therapy session, Oof. but I feel like it's making me like a more negative or pessimistic person. And yep. I don't like being that way. Like, you know, 11 months ago, most people were like, oh, well, this will be over. And I was one of the people being like, yeah, no, we're going to yep. be, if we don't you know, drastically do something, we're going to be in the same situation a year from now. And here we are. Mm-hmm. I don't like being like a pessimist like that. Yeah. Um, because I think like deep down, I do have the same values as like Ted Lasso or Leslie Nope, where like, I feel like people with good intentions can have a good impact and, you know, belief in, in the good in other human beings. Yeah. And wow. I think this show was a nice, like, bright spot for me when i've been struggling with that in the real world and compared to parks and rec which is a little bit hard to go back and watch separate from like the character the actor stuff we've talked about but just the whole local government and government in general can make the world a better place for you yeah Mm. i uh i remember the the night that trump got elected i cried the whole way home and i was like i just want to put on something in the background that i won't have to pay much attention to Mm -hmm. and i put on um emperor's new groove and i was like oh my god yeah no that one was terrible i still can't watch it um so i think parks and rec sometimes is similar where you and i like we stopped our rewatch that's what i was gonna say we started rewatching and stopped it at the election parts because like i cannot watch more election tv you can't laugh at bobby newport no no and some of the stuff is too on the nose so this show the fact that it's about british soccer something that i like have enough soccer knowledge to understand the jokes of why he's fucking up the rules but not enough to like have it be relevant to anything in the news yeah like it's a nice escapism show in terms of like the the content material for sure um this first review on imdb says it's like exactly what a comedy should be and that's what i agree with like you laughed pretty much throughout the episodes i almost cried a couple times yeah and Enough characterization that... Like, cheering for a vast majority of the 
You're rooting for Principal most of the actors, characters. Yeah, characters. There's not so many characters that you lose track. They even do a decent job of like the soccer team of knowing which ones you need to know their names and just letting the rest be background soccer players. Yes, for sure. Right. Yeah, they I think that's a very good point. I think my one of my only quibbles with this show is it in certain spots, which happens with a lot of modern comedies, I could almost like hear the writer's room sometimes yeah. more than the, the show. And it was a lot with like the, some of the references and some of Ted's bits and stuff but yeah a few of ted's like he has a his whole thing is like these little like anecdotes and asides yeah and some of them did get a little old and like oh he's gonna make him this reference or that right and i'm sure in season six it would be my same complaint with moira rose where you're just like what the fuck is she even talking about oh i was gonna say i think um i was thought you were gonna say good place like Mm. some of the references are gonna date the show a little bit yeah um Uh, jacksonville jacksonville jaguars yeah exactly most importantly imdb confirms that when ted lasso uh jumped in his head on the door that was not scripted jason Vegas was really injured afterwards (laughs) i told you though yeah um so yeah, I, I would agree with that that's um com- uh review that it's exactly what you want a comedy to be. Mm-hmm. The pilot, you're just like, I guess I'll keep watching, and right. then it 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 catches you. It has just enough character development to feel like like a real show, yeah. But not so much that it it gets into this like dramedy kind no, of thing. It has like the safety of like sitcom scenery, like just how like it's very easy. Not that I watch Big Bang anymore, or Friends. Hopefully, won't ever be that bored again. But but like a there's atmosphere. a certain comfort, yeah, of yeah. like oh the apartment, oh we're in the coffee the shop, the pub, right, the, the apartment, pub. the locker room, yeah, the, the corporate room, office, the coach. You was like yeah. oh here comes a coach scene, here comes a practice scene, yeah. It has the familiar beats of a sitcom, yeah. but it's a little bit more like wittier, and it still had like something new to to not make you feel yes. like you're watching reruns. I had mentioned I think in the last episode that I'm getting a little sick of fish out of water, um, especially seeing it poorly done in like some Wonder Woman stuff. Um, I guess one of the best things I can say about this show is that it made me like London again, where every time I go there, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I like London. Then I get there and I'm like, I don't really like this place that much. And I, I assume they filmed in, in the UK because of all the UK actors they had. I don't know if that was actually filmed in London or not, but... Like, that little little neighborhood seemed adorable. I'm sure, like, there's no neighborhood that's really like that <laughs> in the UK. Not anymore, but, probably. Yeah. Um, or not in London. Maybe somewhere else. Uh, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I think what you're saying is, is correct. That it has, like, some of the comfortable beats of a sitcom. Yeah. But also not quite as, like, cringy, as the kids right. would say, as a lot of sitcoms. Yeah. And I'm just thinking now, because, like, we I I was YouTubing a bit and I watched a little Seth Meyers uh, monologue and it's rough. I assume he hasn't had an audience for a year and he, he could not figure out, out how to time get the timing. Right. Timing. Whereas like, like Ted Lasso definitely does not need a laugh track and yet like it's just perfectly timed. Ironically, I say all that about the setting and stuff, but the best episode, my favorite one is the on the road episode uh, where I think they go to Liverpool and the hotel stuff, karaoke, the bar. karaoke, the panic attack, the yep. sleepovers, well, the the um, like emotional climax of some of the arcs yep. of the show in terms of like the, um, especially Ted Lasso's like character development and yep. kind of poking through the cracks of his um, personality or his I don't know yep. backstory. Yeah. Um, 
I would say this is probably the most positive thing we've talked about on the podcast in a long time. Probably. Also, like I made you watch this. You really didn't. I want really to watch didn't. Because like just every like I'm a contrarian by nature. Like when I hear the internet as a whole saying, "Oh my god, this is so good." I'm like, "It's going to be I, terrible." I I think I got in it. I got in it around like the same time I've got in Shit's Creek when people were starting to talk sure. about it, but it wasn't like winning awards and and things. Yeah. Um so Shit's Creek, I, right, we were like, otherwise I'm looking at visual stuff spinning out. We had plenty of good things to say. Mandalorian, Skywalker, no. I promised them my kids I would watch Mandalorian and okay. WandaVision. Yeah, no, this was probably probably one of my f- most favorite shows in the last so, like two or three years. I don't years. think she'll hear this, but one um, person on, on Instagram, mm-hmm. Ellen, was the one Giving who really convinced me to watch this because she just kept saying how good it was. And I trust her judgment on some other media things. Mm-hmm. So she's really the one that got um, made this happen for us. So shout out to Ellen. All right, we're bringing it back. We did it Friday Night Lights. I guess it's a sports TV thing. So we're going to do Fuck, Mary Kill, I guess. Okay. Um, Ted Lasso, Coach Beard, and Higgins. Go. <laughs> um, Mary Higgins, because he seems like such a Jerry. Oh, Higgins. Like, he seems like he has a very happy Oh, right, right. Life. No, before you do this, we have to map to Parks and Rec, which is one of my favorite things to do in life in oh, general. Jerry is Higgins. Correct. Ted is Leslie. Uh, Ron is Beard. Correct. No. Is Ron, Ron is... Ron's uh, cat. Uh, the fuck's her uh, name? Rebecca? Rebecca. No, no, no. Oh, I was going to say Ron is um, is Roy Kent. Kind of? Oh, then who's, who's Beard? Uh, Anne? I was going to say Donna. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I was going to say that uh, Jamie Tart would be April? No. No. Mm. Danny Rojas, Roja would be Andy Dwyer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that Aziz would be... No, I uh, think Andy Dwyer would be... Nate. Nate. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't think Rojas would have, like, a real character. Yeah, um, Yeah. right. So the que- the thing that they zig and zagged on was Rebecca... Right, who is Rebecca? Yeah. Kind... I guess kind of... Because she wants things to go to shit. Yeah, I no, think it so is. she's wrong. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. Yeah. So who... Because he hates government, even though he's in charge of the government. She yeah. hates soccer. She hates the team. Yeah. yeah. So Beard would be... I'm pretty sure I'm right about Donna. Okay, I see it. Because he like secretly is like a player. Correct. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yep. Okay. So he's that Donna. Secret, yeah. Um. Who would be um my favorite? Ke- Keely. Keely would be Anne. Probably Anne. Yeah. Even though Anne's not. Where well, they always had to find stuff for her to do. Yeah. She <laughs> wasn't really connected to anyone. Right. <laughs> Just kind of showed up in her, all the plot lines. <laughs> This is so fun. Yeah. Tammy, though, no, Ron oh. has to be Rebecca because yeah, Tammy, yeah, Tammy is Giles. <laughs> Correct. Um, Richard, Rupert, Sam, whatever his name is. Sam, Who's who's Sam? like the African guy, just like the... Oh. Um. Oh, I guess we didn't have a Ben. Yeah, there's no love story, unfortunately, for Tim. For not yet. Ted, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you have Jamie, you have Sam... I think the better question was, like, as Ted Lasso, who's his yeah. fuck, Mary kill? Because he has chemistry with fucking everybody. That's I thought true. he could be with Keely. He could be with Rebecca. Yeah. He could be with Baby Smurf, whatever her name was. Yeah. The bitchy friend who I don't like, and I feel like she's going to play a part in season two. You think they need a season two? 
Yes, because they've been relegated. If they won, I don't know if they would need a season two. I, ooh. Spoiler! Yeah. Sorry. I what? just said what happened at oh. the end. Um, Trent Krim would be the the Pawnee reporter. Yes. What's her face? Yeah, Shauna yeah, Mulway Tweep. Yeah. Is there a purd? I guess those would be the people at the, the, at pub, the pub. The pub would be like the purd happily and the, the, yeah. the audience, the uh, town meetings and stuff. Okay, no, I think my question was best. Ted Beard Higgins. Mary Higgins. Mary Higgins. Fuck Ted. Kill Beard. I, <laughs> yeah. He's weird. To I think me. that's the right answer. So then the women would be Rebecca, Keeley, and is there another female principal? Not really. Uh, and May, the the pub owner. Oh, fuck May. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Kill Rebecca. I don't really like her that much. That's not fair. Maybe I do like Rebecca. I don't think I'd want to be involved with Rebecca. Yeah, though. no, I would bang her. I would marry Keely because I'm in love with her. I would... I think I would... I think Mays has seen some stuff, I'm telling you. <laughs> Why would you want to bang her? <laughs> I don't know. You really had that. I don't want to get involved with Rebecca. You really had that. I, I didn't know who you are going to do as the third wow. person. I didn't know who you, you were going to do as the that. third person. All right, so then the last set would be Jamie, Roy, and Nate, I guess, for principals. Um, <laughs> you gotta bang Jamie. I think I'd bang Jamie and, and Mary yeah. Roy. Um, yeah. I like Nate, but like as a friend, I'd friend zone <laughs> yeah, Nate. I wouldn't sure. want to kill him. I would friend zone him. Fair enough. That was fun. Um, yeah. So watch the show. I, I think it would be worth um getting a free trial of Apple TV and then canceling. Yeah, another only, advertisement for Roku. They gave it to us for free. Yeah, so. Roku's 30 bucks forever. So we'll be binging uh, Dickinson in year three of quarantine, <laughs> I'm sure. Good fucking lord. I was just thinking of all the shit that I have to marathon on Disney Plus before we get rid of that. Mm. I promised the kids I'd watch WandaVision and Mandalorian too, so Oof, we'll see boy. if I get to that. I also don't think I've ever seen the Brandy Cinderella. You've, um, you have been talking about this. The internet all week. has been talking about it all week, and it's making me feel some sort of weird childhood FOMO that I had never watched it. Yeah, it was on. It was on like ABC for like a year. So I need to watch that on Disney Plus as well. So, anyways, Ooh. either get a Roku or just sign up for a free trial to Apple Plus TV Unlimited, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. Um, it's only like what ten episodes, eight yeah. episodes. It's not. And they're a half hour. Yeah. Show. So make the commitment. And watch it. It's great. All right. Heather is hungover after drinking one glass of wine. Yeah. My um, life. Hashtag. But we're going to push through and talk about a book. Uh, which I forced you to read. I that's I, was, I wouldn't say it's a force. It was on, already on your list? I was intrigued by it, but well, I wasn't Well, it was on sure. your library account, so I'm sure you knew of it. Uh, Gosh, I am holding a grudge. I was not going to prioritize it, let's say that. Fair enough. Um... Although it was short, and I definitely have been gravitating towards shorter books because I just have not Amen, sister. had a ton of attention span. That being said, like two of the last books, three of the books I've read so far this year were like 500 fucking pages. Yeah, it doesn't really matter for you because you can read a, a book like that in like three days. Whereas it for me... on the phone though because it hurts my eyes to read that long. Me, I'm like 100 pages a week and that's just my pace. It depends on the style of the book though. The ones I'm talking about were YA, so they go pretty fast, like... Okay, so we're talking about Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. I have to say just one thing to start off with. Part of the reason I didn't want to, wasn't super into this book was because the cover does not look like a book that I would want to read. It's not, no. And that really bothers me. 
<laughs> when a book cover like does not actually convey the type of book that it is. Sure. There's a different book that I went on a similar rant on this about the podcast uh, on the podcast like a year ago, where it was like the cover looked totally different than the story, like the vibe that I got from the cover. See, so this like this book is in my wheelhouse, and that's like what eighty percent of the books that I read look like. That's why I didn't want to read it because it looked like <laughs> white man literary fiction, um, and like quirky essays or something like if you had asked yes me no what it the, looks like a short story it looks yeah, like a, a short story collection yeah. the title nothing to see here sounds exactly like what a white guy with an mfa would oh call god. his short story collection am i wrong oh my god am i wrong i've been trying to read more diverse books so i'm on speak <laughs> i'm just saying the title doesn't work yeah. And the cover doesn't work. No, I started reading it and I, was, and I was like, here's one that Heather will never read, but I'm going to read it even though we can't do it on the podcast. And I was like, oh, she's going to like this. That's the same thing I did with someone else on Bookstagram recently. I was like, you should read this one because it surprised me. And by it surprised me, I mean the title and cover do not So, can we say, maybe me. if we coined a phrase, don't judge a book by... <laughs> Don't put a shitty cover and title on a book you want people to read. Uh, publishers are on notice now. Okay. So you have to do the synopsis then. You sure. most recently. So this book is written in first person. It is, yeah. Um, by a kind of jaded, poor, smart kid. Lillian. Um, yeah. Who gets a mysterious call from like an old friend of hers, possibly like her only actual friend in her life mm -hmm. that she parted ways with kind of very poorly mm -hmm. and is like vaguely kept in touch with, gets this call saying like this, this rich friend of hers has like a mysterious job that she needs her help for and she'll like pay her and let her live in her mansion mm -hmm. if she just doesn't help, comes and helps her with this situation. So you find out the situation is that her friend is now married to like a senator and um the senator's stepkids are like basically feral children at this point they yeah. uh have been like they were raised by their kind of uh mentally unstable mother who yeah. dies and then leaves them in the care of grandparents, grandparents that don't really care about them and oh by the way they set themselves on fire so they like uh, they get too worked up they, yeah. if they get emotionally agitated they just burst into flames and it doesn't yeah. hurt them but it can hurt other people around them or catch yeah. other things on fire their clothing <laughs> and burns their clothing off so the job that she had that this friend has for our main character uh lil is literally just like supervise these feral children and try not to die <laughs> um and the beginning of the book is a little clumsy a clumsy or yeah. clunky in that the narrative like tone or voice like hits you over the face it's a little bit like aggressive <laughs> just like whack that's how i feel about i love it. that turn of phrase <laughs> instead of over the head over the face hits you in the face or over the head is what i was going with <laughs> we need um, somebody we need to like play i'm sure people are playing digital digital get down bingo and it's like when is heather gonna have a mix just metaphor? the drinking game that's the drinking <laughs> yeah. game it's every time i mix a metaphor or just trying it's like one of those like games where it like smush like you have to go blah 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 and you have yeah. to guess what you're actually saying like yeah. they mix the words the words up you know what i'm trying to so say so can we talk about the okay. gendering of the of the protagonist now sure 
Is that what you're getting at with the clunky stuff, or you just meant in general um, the here's my life? I think the I before think the flashbacks you're saying. I I was going to say both of those things. I was mm-hmm. going to say that the, the the voice is very off-putting to start with. Yeah. And I think that makes more sense later. But when you're first getting into it, you're just like, whoa. Sure. Um. Also, the flashbacks are done in just an info dump. Yes. Which, I didn't love the way that the, the, the author wove that in. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very smooth. It was literally like, I yeah. got this letter from my friend. Here's my shitty life now. Let me... Here's what happened 10 years ago. Here's what happened 10 yeah. years ago. And it's like three chapters of it. And then it just like flashes you Sounds forward. Sounds like you and I gave it an A- minus for the same exact reasons. Yeah. Um, I, was, I wasn't as bothered by the gender as you seem... The, the gendered part of the voice as you seem to be. Although that's probably because I read your review and then knew it was supposed yeah. to be a girl because I, I did think that it was a very, um, let me, let me phrase this carefully. Sure. Uh, there's no way to sound like a girl or sound like a boy, but when you yes. know it's a male writer, that's what I um, mean. Yeah. I don't know that he did a great job of, of having a distinctive voice that wasn't his own voice. As that's a what I kind of struggled with, especially at the beginning when I was like, oh, okay, so this is a male guy going to babysit and I, I was like wait same what th- i thought the same thing so then i thought maybe maybe it was like a, a comment on transgender and something and but then when i was like oh no it's just a male author writing a female character and it sounds like I, a male author talking so i did get like tipped off from your review um that it was supposed to be a, a female presenting character but i the more i read of the book the less it bothered me um, because she is portrayed as pretty butch. Right. Um, like the basketball. Her, and the, yeah. Well, like that's her um, her expression, her gender expression, sure. I think, is um, not particularly feminine. So I kind of thought that the more you learn about her, the more it fit with her and it didn't stand out to me as much. But I think that's true. I just did didn't want to give I just didn't want to give the author credit for doing that very subtly. Yeah. Because I don't I'm not positive it was. Yeah, like, did he just design. write masculine traits into her so that it would make sense that he was not disguising his voice? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, so I. Um, the other reason that I struggled to get into it at the beginning is that it's very. Um, the pacing is very odd. Mm-hmm. I actually would have liked the book to have been longer because I felt like. Um, it was being dragged along kind of at the beginning. Yeah. Like it's very, like things just go from one thing to one thing to one thing to one thing. Yeah. And again, I think uh, there's the question of like, is that meant to be like showing that the narrator is very quick and witty and that's how her brain works? Yeah. Or is that laziness on the point of the writer for not pacing the story better? I think that's a fair um, critique. It reminded me actually a lot of boyfriend material, this other book that I read, mm-hmm. where it has a very strong voiced protagonist that like at first you're kind of like um, a little bit put off by the voice mm-hmm. and then it kind of works for the character. Mm-hmm. It's a similar type of thing where like you just kind of have to push through it a little bit at the beginning and mm-hmm. then it kind of works for the story. So um, I've been, I've been like, stopping a lot of books recently like starting to read them and then putting them down if they don't hook me yeah because i have been had limited time for reading and limited tension span for reading so like if a book doesn't hook me the first couple chapters right now i'm like putting it down yeah and moving on especially with my library hold situation <laughs> um i don't have the the luxury to uh keep reading a book if i'm not enjoying it sure 
um, so I will say that this book did hook me. It wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, I don't like this narrator. I'm going to put it down. It was like, oh, this is a very aggressive start to this narrator. I'm going to keep reading to see why that is or see what happens. Mm-hmm. And like the pacing issues was that it was too fast. Like, so, yeah. and I'm a, a quick reader anyway. So like a fast, it just felt a little bit breakneck. The first, the beginning yeah. of the book where I was just like holding on for dear life. Um, but wow. I will say, yeah, I think I'm thinking now that my reading pace is just like that to me, I think was, was normal, was a good pace. Maybe that's why I find everything else I read so slow. Hmm. Yeah. I just found that I wasn't, um, I don't know. It, I'm a quick reader anyway. So a quick yeah. pace book on, on top of that yeah. was just like, I felt like I had to pump the brakes a few times just because I was like getting yeah. overwhelmed by how quickly it was moving. Um, I will say that I related to this book a lot with my like career situation. Mm -hmm. The basically the message, at least that I got out of the book, um, other than don't admit you're in love with your straight rich friend, straight ish, whatever, um, is. Oh gosh, yeah, I forgot about that whole part. Yeah, Uh, that's what I thought you were getting at before when you were talking about divorce. I thought you were going to say unrequited uh, gay love. Hmm. Um, which I was happy that they at least came out in the open and it wasn't just this like yeah. closet and thing. But anyways, I, um, the message that I got out of the book hmm. was basically like, you don't have to have a PhD to understand that children need to be treated with respect and that you can build relationships with children without a college degree. Yeah. Um, and I, Related an educator a lot without a lot of formal education. As an educator yeah. without an official teaching license. Yeah. Um, I and and also an educator who was had about as much notice as the narrator in this book for um the job that I took on. Yeah. Um. And I definitely uh, my students are leagues better uh, behaved than the examples. Well, leagues is strong. No one's ever combusted in your classroom. Knock on wood. Um. Yeah, I, I don't want this to seem like I'm comparing my students to children that literally catch on fire. Mm-hmm. But for me, as someone who did not have a lot of notice and not a ton of specific experience to the role I was getting sure. in, and I still feel like I've been able to succeed to the best I can mm-hmm. in my job, is because I've been able to like build relationships with the students yeah. and like respect them and um, see the world through there lens a little bit yeah have empathy for their situations and just be honest and real with them and Mm -hmm. i think that's what the author got across to me at least was like being uh truthful Mm -hmm. with kids but like kids understand more than you think they do Mm -hmm. and trying to just do things for them or around them is not really like respecting them as human beings and the more i like learned about like trauma-informed education and things like that it's like like kids are humans Mm -hmm. like it's not like they're robots and then as soon as they turn 18 they turn into a human right like like even little kids have the ability to like make choices and have likes and dislikes and they understand things and especially when they get to the middle school age like they think like if you remember being a middle school you think you're an adult yeah like you think you're a grown-up that can make these choices and like can you and should you no as an adult i'm like wow i was a dumb shit back then (laughs) but in the moment, in yeah, the you moment. need people to, yeah. So you need people to respect your agency and give you choices and like be honest with you about what's happening. And I think there's not a lot of that 
happening always with kids. Um, so I really liked the the kind of like brash style of the narrator um, and the way that she kind of like loved the kids for who they were and, yeah. and was honest with the kids and, and like tried to, to be respectful of the kids even though they had a strange condition that nobody understood. Um, I really connected with mm-hmm. that part of the character. And also, a spoiler alert if you haven't read it, um, the ending when the little boy catches on fire, I was like so gleefully. Yeah. I was just like, I knew it! Yes! I was like really excited about that. And I hadn't realized I was like quite... The little shit you're saying. Hmm? The, 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 the baby. Yeah. The toddler. Yeah. Like on TV. Right. Yeah. Um, you were pleased in what way? As like a fuck you to the to the friend and the, the senator and yeah, whatever yeah. Right, right, right. who are trying to te- who are trying to treat the two older kids like they were these monsters right. and when clearly it's okay so this leads me I have you, that was amazing all that you just said I only have two questions for you about this sure. book is the fire a metaphor for autism or something else yes or no I don't think it has to be I didn't read it that way mm. I just read it as. Um, like any kids that have any sort of behavioral issues that just yeah. aren't acting perfectly um, or or aren't aren't acting like adults or yeah. aren't acting the way that a parent or adult wants them to act. So I didn't read it as specific to autism or mm-hmm. any sort of specific like disability or learning disorder. Um, I just read it. But that's very much coming from my experience. Like I said, sure. I walked into a teaching situation where I knew nothing about the school, the kids, classroom teaching, whatever. And I had a lot of kids that did not catch on fire, but I had a lot of bad behaviors and a lot of bad attitudes. And many of those were specifically towards me. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my head, I related it to the kids that the school I, I was at that did not have a lot of formal education or did not have very good education experiences and like not allowing that prejudice to color how you feel about the kids or how you treat the kids. Mm-hmm. So sure, That's I, good I don't know. I think it depends on your, your read of it. On a lighter note, who's what? I was just gonna make a connection to that. So hmm. uh, the book I'm reading right now is a internet darling book the house of the cerulean sea oh yeah i'm really enjoying it uh, i have some qualms with the main character and like some of the pacing of the book yeah um but overall like the whole atmosphere of the book i'm enjoying but it's mm-hmm. actually kind of similar it is about magical children and an orphanage um and our main character is like a government like grunt or yeah. Um, minion whose job is to like check in on all these orphanages to make sure that like the kids aren't being mistreated or what have you mm-hmm. and um, he gets sent to this like top secret mission where like some of the most dangerous magical children are sent to be taken care of got it um, and is that the house hmm? in the sea yes got it and has to kind of put aside his prejudice about the children's files to actually see the children and what they're capable of and yeah. and like the human side of these children um and to me the book codes very much as black and brown and and indigenous children mm-hmm. that the, there's a whole thing about like see something say something and all the magical beings have to be registered and they're oppressed by the government and they're mm-hmm. they're shuttled into these homes and into these orphanages um presumably to keep the rest of the world safe but really like 
to keep those people away and, and to oppress their power. Mm-hmm. So even though it's written by a white author, the way I've been reading it, the way I'm reading into it is that um, it's about like the oppression of indigenous kids with all of their um, school, residential schools that they were sent to and the horrible history of that in America and Canada and Australia and about black kids and their education system and their foster and the foster care system and things like that. But once again, that may just be because that is what I'm reading about lately. And that's the experience of my students. So you're so deep, babe. Um, my lighter question was, <laughs> okay. who's the best side character in the book? I know you have thoughts. Um, I like the little boy, the, the toddler. Oh, I thought you said you loved the the maid. The, the oh, chef. I do yeah, love yeah. the maid. I'm talking about a true side character. I yeah. do love the maid. Yeah. Yeah. She's I like great. the driver. He was. I think he the was... best part of the maid is that she just like took some expensive pa- pans and just. <laughs> On her way. Like she just left. She was like, this is it. This is my yeah, time. Is She's the... obviously been like hoarding different like money and things for the, for the right. occasion where this was going to happen. <laughs> and she was like, all right, time to go. Yeah, it's peace. not a drill. And she just took the expensive pans and left. I yeah. loved that. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Any other therapy session you need to get out? No, I just really liked that she, that she like treated the kids like they were human beings. And I think yeah. everyone could learn a lesson from that because I think it's so easy as adults sure. when things get stressful and things get busy to just like make decisions for kids because you, are older and you think you know what's best yeah. and i think um especially in like traditional teaching there's a lot of um you can say pedagogy it's okay i still know what pedagogy means <laughs> um and i know that a lot of the newer teachings and trauma-informed teaching and things like that is like giving the kids choice giving them agency mm-hmm. centering student voice versus teacher voice and all of that but i thought this mm-hmm. book was a very um kind of obvious application of that where it was like people have just been making decisions for these kids their whole lives and actually traumatizing them more. Um, and like the, the person that they latched onto is the first person to really like ask them what they want to do and like be honest with them about mm-hmm. what's going on. And I, I just, I liked that. So I related to it more than I expected. I got more invested than I expected because at the end I was like, fuck yeah. And I was like really into it. <laughs> I thought the ending was maybe a little too easy. Yeah. It wrapped up a little too not even neatly because it wasn't like a super clean ending but like a little too easily yeah um and yeah i still think the pacing was off i still think i would have enjoyed the book a little bit more if it was a little bit slower Mm -hmm. um but overall it surprised me because it's a terrible title and cover um i think i think you made that clear i'm just saying i think Maybe it worked in the in the book's favor in this case because I think nothing to see here. That's a f- <laughs> I get what you mean. That's a bad title. Like that's a perfect title for this book, though. <laughs> nothing to see here. <laughs> I get why it's the title. Yeah. After reading the book, yeah. but a title also should convey it to someone before reading the book, and that's what I struggled with. Is that after reading the book, I'm like, oh, the title and cover make perfect sense. Yeah. But it did not make me want to pick up the book, and it did mm-hmm. not really like give me any hints to what the book was about. Mm-hmm. Um. Even the synopsis just did not really like no. give the right. Yeah, it sat on to my me. to read list for a while because I was like, when I need a short one, I'll read it. But I still know. That's no basically the idea only reason I picked it up was because I was like, it's short and it's at the library, and we needed a podcast book. So it's one of my favorite books of the year so far. Whew. I've read like a dozen books this year, so I mean, it's early, early days three? still. I'm, on your, I'm in a rut. Um, in a rut. 
You should listen to me when I tell you to read books. I'll recommend one to you. Okay. Um, I, this has been really long. Um, yeah. Oh, so yeah. You said you had something. I have a couple of upcomings. Up. Yeah. Um, this one I like literally just saw when I went went to took a break to get water. Um, Aristotle and Dante dive into the waters of the world. That's a title. Fucking Talk kill me. Title. Oh, that's a sequel. Aristotle and Dante discover the universe, a book yeah. that I did not really like in the first place, and I'm like yeah. the only one in existence to not love that book. And now there's a sequel coming out this October. Aristotle and Dante dive into the waters of the world. What is this, a follow boy title? That was funny, babe. Jesus. Did you? Yeah. I did not. I just came up with that right now. Um, I'm not looking forward to it. My grades so far this year in books, C plus D, C minus B, C plus D plus. Makes Go sense ahead. because it says perfect for fans of Adam Silvera and Mary H.K. Choi. Did not like either of them. So, um, my books, I was in a real rut the first three books of the year as well. So, maybe it's like a first three books situation mm-hmm. because my first books of the year, let's see, were a B minus, B minus, B minus, C. And then B. So my mm. first books were not good for me. Then I read Dread Nation in the sequel, which I enjoyed. I read Nothing to See Here, which I gave an A minus. Mm-hmm. Homegoing, B plus. Revolution of Bertie Randolph, A. Um, and then I've been in a little bit of a, like a B rut again. Yeah. But um, I think I'll give the one I'm reading an A minus probably. We'll see how it wraps up. Um, okay. So Anything I'm not else? happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I'm excited to watch this movie on Netflix called Moxie. I okay. don't know if it's based on a book, um, but I watched the the trailer, and it's mm-hmm. like a high school girl power movie mm-hmm. that I can get really into. It seems like right in my wheelhouse, where it's not about like high schoolers who have a sex list, like which I feel like so many like edgy high school yeah. movies have been the thing, like Lady Bird and that Booksmart yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. And like I'm like kind of over those. I don't really relate to those. Yeah. Um, that was not who I was in high school. And I, uh, sometimes like being like, girls can be raunchy too. Like I get, I'm a, a little over right. that. Yeah. Um, yay uh, equality, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. This one is much more of like girls learning to use their voice and stand up for things that are shitty about their school. Yeah. And it has the girl from Saved by the, Saved by the Bell, the sequel. The football player friend. Oh yeah. Yeah, she's in it. Okay, cool. Um, and another girl that I recognize that I'm not remembering. Oh yeah, we gotta take, talk about Saved by the Bell sometime. Yeah, it's on my list. Okay. Um, and it has Amy Poehler, and we actually surprisingly enjoyed a Netflix movie that she helped produce, I believe, recently. So, mm-hmm. so Amy Poehler, I think, is producing the movie, and also has like a she's like the mom or something. Gotcha. So. Um, the only other one thing I want to talk about, I will never listen to this, but I got excited about it. Darren Chris and John Boyega are doing a sci-fi podcast called Tomorrow's Monsters. Nothing makes me more sad than when, like, actual celebrities do podcasts. I agree, except it's COVID and they probably can't film, so, like, they might as well do something like that right now. Okay. Um, I'm ne- I, I, I've realized recently I don't like most sci-fi, and I don't listen to podcasts, even though we have one, so I'm never going to listen to it, but I just want to, like, shout that out for anyone who might be interested in that. Okay. I can't even remember how the Chasing Gold commercial goes. Um, Taste of you. Mm-hmm. 
I just need a line. Um, what's the nachos. line when he goes on his knees? Nacho friends. I don't know. We're gonna have to listen to it. <laughs> Usually, it's the Arthur theme song that we get stuck on and can't remember the lyrics. And tonight, it's chasing. You're gold. the love of my life. I need you, Nacho fries. <laughs> okay. I think we'll wrap it there. <laughs> Is that our outro music? Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks We're for We're going to try to come back in February and do a Black History Inspired. That's the hope. I've got... I literally never watch TV aside from like a short Ted Lasso or a Bake Off or something. But mm-hmm. um, And we watch movies even more rarely probably. But... I have some movies on my list that I keep writing down that I want to watch. So I think we're going to watch a new movie um, and hopefully in the next couple weeks come at you with another podcast. Coolio. All right. Thanks for listening. If you made it all the way through this, Um, we love you. We appreciate you. Stop fucking eating avocados. Stop fucking was I thought what you were going to say. (laughs) It's Valentine's Day. It's Delilah. Get your your loving on. (laughs) See ya. Bye.